Isaiah says, Let me sing for my beloved my love, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. The parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 21, obviously, draws from the imagery that's given to us in Isaiah 5. You see some of it reflected even in the psalm that we read today. And these things would have been very familiar to the um, crowds that gathered around Jesus, those who were first hearing this parable. Did you catch the level of care um, that was put into this vineyard? The one who planted this vineyard chose uh, land that was the choice land. It was a fertile hillside where, where everyone could see it's the fruit that had been produced. It says he dug the land. He, he, he sifted it for stones and threw the stones away so it would be even more um, fruit, fruitful. He planted the best vines there. And then in the middle of the vineyard, he built a tower so that it would be safe. It would be protected. It would ensure that those who were planted there would thrive, that it would not be threatened. He didn't buy a wine vat. Instead, he, um, he hewed it. It was a laborious process by which they would chip it away. They would carve it. They would shape it. There's a lot of care that goes into this vineyard. A lot of investment of the landowner. The, oh, this vat um, it obviously reflected the anticipation of the landowner that there would soon be a, a fruitful vine that would produce sweet grapes that would be made into wine. And they expected that this would happen. There was no reason to think otherwise. Everything had been thought of. Every reason for this vineyard to thrive was put in place. Yet it yielded wild grapes, literally translated stinky grapes. So you can see the similarities that exist, that Jesus draws from in the parable between Isaiah and Matthew. The landowner has gone away. This wasn't an unfamiliar concept for the landowner to be far away from the land and to outsource those who would work the vineyard. And so it it was a valued thing. He put time and effort into this vineyard. And again, just like the vineyard in Isaiah, it it was tended well, given every opportunity to thrive. It was so valued that he put a wall around it. You see the, the threats that came in the, in the psalm that was read today, the wild boars that would come and attack it and try to destroy it. Our father, the, the early fathers would interpret this as um, our sins that, that haven't been dealt with, that, that hang around the edges of our life, that we kind of keep around, that, that pick at us. And nip at us until we, we ultimately die and experience what life outside the walls of the vineyard feels like. And so the wall is built. Jesus says that there's a watchtower to really accentuate the feeling that they are protected. 
They were being looked over. Every opportunity to produce the richest of fruit. But when the season of fruit, the, the kairos, the, which we see as a religious term, meaning a given time for something. It's more than a time of harvest. It is a season of God given to harvest. And now this season is upon them and given this picture by Jesus as a vine. He comes to gather the fruit that has been yielded. And the first that he sends to check on it are stoned and thrown outside the walls, and they are even killed. And then he determines that surely they would not kill his own son. So the landowner sends his own son, thinking that he, they would give him special respect or honor. But unfortunately, they are killed too. Now, the, the, the tenants say something kind of silly at this point. They say, let us kill him so that we will have his inheritance. To those who are listening to Jesus, everyone in the crowd is saying, that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Because when the landowner comes back and finds out that they killed his son, like they're really going to give him what he would have given to their son. They're going to choose someone else. And everyone's kind of, I'm sure, imagining, listening in on this saying, that is ridiculous. What were they thinking? But so many times when Jesus does this, everyone in the crowd is like, what a crazy group of people. Ha ha ha. And then at the end, you're like, oh my goodness. He's talking about us. Chief priests and the Pharisees are beginning, I'm sure by now, to think about, are we the ones that Jesus is depicting in the story is those who have turned away those who've come to warn us to yield the fruit that, that we were entrusted with. Is that us? This vineyard has been prepared by God to produce grapes, and it's not going to go to waste. It is the season of fruit. Therefore, it's necessary for God to gather the fruit somehow that he brings about, and so he talks about these new tenants. Those that will come and yield and harvest the crop that has been produced out of this soil that is fruitful. The vineyard is where life springs from. It was cultivated to, for this reason, to bring about life, carefully tended. But the first tenants find themselves cast out of the vineyard, and therefore they're outside of the protection they're outside of the walls that were built for them. The walls that were built to preserve them. The walls that were built to protect them from the enemy. The walls that were built so that they would thrive. But now they're finding themselves outside of the walls. Exposed, refusing the soil. Maybe we could think of this soil as as grace. And that, that Jesus is saying, you refuse this grace that is offered for you. It is freely offered that you might have life so that you might produce fruit that can be 
feasted on by those around, that they would come into the walls and share the life that you yourself have. But now you're outside the walls and you're trying to plant this crop in a soil that is stony. It's infected. It is infested. The wild animals from Psalms are feeding on it before it has an opportunity to bloom. Maybe they are beginning to wonder, why isn't anything growing here? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why, why am I stagnant? Why do I feel like this? Why, why doesn't anyone seem to want to eat of this fruit that I have to offer? Jesus wraps up the parable by offering a brief picture. Imagine being in a quarry. You're building a building. It takes a particular color, a size. You're fitting it in with all of the rest. And as you're at the quarry, you see one. It has maybe threads of other color. It's not the right size. And you cast it aside. Jesus says, the one that is cast aside is the one that will be used as the very cornerstone, the foundation for the rest of the building. This is the one that you've cast aside. It wasn't long after Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his ascension, before what he warns them of actually happens. The temple was destroyed. The elite did not heed this warning. Instead, they continued to pray on the weak, to benefit from even the offerings of the widows that Jesus speaks of. The injustice that sent them long ago into exile was still present. You're outside the walls of the vineyard. And Jesus says that it will be crushed. And it happens. Literally. But I don't think this is just a literal meaning here. But there are spiritual realities being addressed addressed here. And it's not just simply those who are in and those who are out. Those who go to heaven. Those who go to hell. This isn't just about where you go to die when you die. This is about where you go to thrive. And Jesus carefully tends it and says, here is where you bear fruit. This is the place where you're under my watchful eye. This is the place that I've made you to exist and for the whole world to come into this vineyard and to taste and to see and to know that it is indeed good. But he warns us. He calls us to this by warning us what happens when we sow roots outside of this vineyard. The question for us today is this. In this kairos, in this season, what sort of people will we be? It is a a corporate question. It is a question primarily for all of us. Who will we be? But it started with every person in that crowd 
asking them on that day that question themselves. And so today, don't miss it. What sort of crop is your life producing? What sort of fruit springs forth from this vineyard? And are we resisting the grace that Jesus freely gave to us? At the beginning of this, I think the Pharisees probably saw themselves as the landowners and probably saw everyone else as those who were resisting. However, we could probably be guilty of the same thing. Sitting here thinking, oh my goodness, what were they thinking? And totally miss the question that we are meant to ask ourselves today. Don't miss what Christ is thinking. This is a parable about a gracious landowner, and it's also a parable about our unceasing ability to resist it. So while at first glance, listen, listen to this. We are so conditioned in our world today to hear the voice of judgment in this. We are so invested in our lives today to think about my rights that we miss the right that Jesus has to tell us who we are. As we read this today, don't primarily hear the judgment, though that's there and needs to be. But listen, this is primarily about the grace of God. This is another parable about God's grace. That even the Pharisees, who've over and over and over again resisted, even them, Jesus says, he tells this parable not to put them in their, their place, but to wake them up. They are still invited there. They, they, you, they can still plant their roots there. There is still the possibility for even them to bear fruit. Wake up. This, this is a parable about God's grace and what happens when we resist it. And so, church, God has prepared soil for life to spring forth out of your life. And even you today, who think you're beyond it, even you who think this might be for someone else, it's not too late. You're not too far gone. This grace is for you. It's for me. It's for us. And the kairos, the season of harvest, harvest is upon us. What sort of fruit will we produce? Amen.